Willkommen, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing The Wedding Singer. I wrote a song six years ago while playing in a wedding band. The word got out and suddenly the band and I are in demand. And now couples all over Jersey hire me to ensure their wedding bliss. All because of a tune I wrote. That tune goes like this. Oh, when it's your wedding day and my music starts to play, I can guarantee How are we doing? Hello, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate Merry Christmas. And to those, (laughs) first of all, it's not known as Merry Christmas. The holiday itself is not known as Merry Christmas. Otherwise, we would say Merry Merry Christmas. So, let me start over. (laughs) Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate Christmas. And to those who don't, I hope that you are happy, safe, warm, comfortable, surrounded by loved ones. I hope that you have someone that you can reach out to if you are feeling down on this day. You never know when the downs hit you. You're always gonna, at a certain point, you're gonna have to feel those winter blues. So, uh, (laughs) in that spirit, I hope you do have someone that you can reach out to. And if you find comfort in podcasts, film, TV, music, I applaud you all the more. Uh, God knows that we all need those sources of comfort in our lives. I am trying to uh, stay focused here. I'm trying to express a real sentiment here, but at the same time, we have so much to do today, Patty and Benny. Is that correct? Of course that's correct. You know, some people slide into the sort of lazy Christmas vacation. Not us. We have a lot to do today. We have this episode. We're recording this right now as I speak, but then we're going to record an episode all about Aida, for the Snub Club, for our $10 a month Patreon donors. And then, on top of all of that, I'm seeing cats today. I am recording this on Friday, the 20th, and I'm seeing cats today at 11.30 in the morning. So we gotta move, 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 people. Move, move, move right out of my life, cats. No, no, no. The opposite. Come toward me, cats! Be a part of my life! Ah! As a reminder, I will be recording a special bonus episode regarding cats. My full review of that film will be available to anyone who donates $1 or more via Patreon. Patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. We usually save that for the end, but I'm putting a plug right up top! Okay, so you're probably thinking if you're in such a big hurry, why don't you show me the show facts? Well, I'll show you the show facts. The Wedding Singer! was a 2006 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on April 27, 2006 at the Al Hirschfeld Theater and ran for 285 performances. The book was written by Chad Begalen and Tim Harley, and I apologize again to anyone whose name I mispronounce. The uh, musical is, of course, based on the 1998 film written by Tim Hurley. I have not seen said film, though I casually considered sitting down with it for the purposes of this episode. In the end, however, it didn't feel entirely necessary. Musical adaptations should be able to stand on their own two feet apart from their source material, and so I don't feel I missed out on anything. 
But should I watch the movie just for the hell of it? I'm starting to feel like a Scrooge when it comes to The Wedding Singer 1998. Bah, humbug, these wedding singers are nothing more than oversalted, undigested bits of potato. Are there no prisons, no workhouses for these helpless wedding singers, huh? Etc., etc. Skipping to the end. And Tiny Tim, who did not die, went on to play his drum for a little baby named Jesus Christ. I'm Paul Harvey. Good day. The music was written by Matthew Sklar with additional music, additional music by Tim Hurley and Adam Sandler. Tim, why did I think your last name was so hard to pronounce? I'm pretty sure it's Hurley. Let's just go with that. Lyrics, Chad Begalen, director John Rando, musical director James Samplinner. Choreographer Rob Ashford, scenic design, Scott Pask, lighting design Brian McDevitt, sound design Peter Helensky, costume design Gregory Gale, and the original Broadway cast included Laura Bonatti, Stephen Lynch, his Broadway debut, Richard H. Blake, Kevin Cahoon, Felicia Finley, Rita Gardner, Matthew Saldivar, Broadway debut, and Amy Spanger. Now, in regards to Tony Nods, the Wedding Singer did not win any Tony Awards, but it was nominated for the following categories. Best Musical, of course. Best Book of a Musical, Chad Begalen and Tim Hurley. Best Original Score, Matthew Sklar and Chad Begalen. Best Actor in a Musical, Stephen Lynch. And Best Choreography, Rob Ashford. So, in total, five nominations, zero awards, unfortunately. Last week's Dreamgirls episode took us to the groovy 60s and swinging 70s, but say goodbye to those square decades because the Wedding Singer has taken us to the 80s, baby. Yeah! How am I doing so far? Yes, the 80s, a time when greed was good, business was risky, and cocaine fell from the sky like Christmas snow. What a time to be alive. What a time to be Robbie Hart. Robbie Hart is the frontman for a marginally successful New Jersey wedding band. In a certain light, he's the man who has everything. A steady gig with his best buddies Sam and George, room and board with his loving grandma Rosie, and a smoking hot fiancé in the form of Linda. Robbie actually has another pal in his life, come to think of it. That would be Julia, the cater waiter who often crosses paths with our hero while working the wedding circuit. Yep, Julia and Robbie sure are pals, all right. Friends, chums, why they're so friendly that Julia even helps our hero write a love song for Linda. What more could you ask for from an amigo? They are friends and nothing more. I mean, how could they ever be more, I ask you? Robbie is engaged to Linda, and Julia is dating a Wall Street hotshot named Glenn. But wait, what's this? Glenn is proposing to Julia? Her dream of becoming a bride is finally coming true. Oh, this is fabulous. Robbie and Julia both engaged to their, you know, respective lovers. What a, you know, lovely sight, you know? Robbie, incredibly happy. Julia, incredibly happy. Nothing else happens. The curtain comes down after 20 minutes. The end. All right, let's talk about the score. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Everything goes horribly wrong, at least for Robbie. He shows up for his own wedding day only to be handed a letter from Linda. She's standing him up at the altar. See, here's the thing. Linda wants to be with a real rock star, not some schmo who bums around with a cheesy wedding band. We are also told several times that Linda is a whore. So there's that. Isn't it funny when women are referred to as whores? Great stuff. Our hero, spiraling out of control, hits rock bottom while playing at his next wedding. He snaps, 
He's hurling abuse at the guests. He's being thrown into a dumpster by the aforementioned wedding guests. It's a complete disaster. Julia manages to draw Robbie out of the dumpster after a bit of encouragement, and our hero vows to never play weddings again. Instead, the band will only perform at bar mitzvahs. You shouldn't have to ask if this leads to a handful of stale Jewish jokes, because yes, of course it does. This is the wedding singer. Time passes and Julia asks Robbie to help organize her wedding registry. Why would she do that? Well, because Glenn is busy on Wall Street and Robbie is her friend. This is what friends do for each other. They head to the mall and meet up with Julia's cousin, Holly, who insists that our heroine should practice her wedding day kiss with Robbie. And so they do. Robbie and Julia kiss, because that's how humans behave. Don't worry, they do not have feelings for each other. Heterosexuality is not a prison. Julia and Glenn get married, and Robbie composes a successful rock opera adaptation of The Giver. The end. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so Holly watches Julia and Robbie kiss, and at that very moment, Holly thinks, Oh, I should date Robbie. I just watched him kiss my cousin because I encouraged my cousin to kiss him, and now I firmly believe I should be the one to date him. You know how you do when you're a human being operating on human instinct, basic human instinct. I realize this is a musical comedy, but I can only stretch myself so far. Holly arranges for a group excursion to New York City. Everyone's coming out, baby. Robbie, Julia, Glenn, Sammy, George. It's going to be absolutely bonkers. As everyone proceeds to get more and more drunk, Robbie is horrified to discover that Glenn is cheating on Julia. Hope confesses that her cousin is only marrying Glenn because he's rich and can offer her security. Now, Robbie could take this moment to approach Julia and tell her that Glenn is a two-timing prick, but instead he goes to work for Glenn on Wall Street so he can get rich and impress Julia. Sure. The newly minted Wall Street Robbie approaches our heroine and makes a clumsy attempt at coming on to her. It does not work. Robbie accuses Julia of being superficial, and this pisses her off. A totally reasonable reaction. Once again, our poor Robbie's dreams have been crushed, though his bandmates remind him that being single ain't so bad. Speaking of Robbie's bandmates, their names are Sammy and George because the former dresses like Sammy Hagar, I want to say. I don't know if that's right. And the latter dresses like boy George. George is gay, and the musical routinely makes jokes about his sexual sexuality. Fine. Is anyone aware that George is gay? Does he have any sort of inner life? Is he in the closet? Uh, no clue. This show carves way too much time out of its busy schedule to laugh at gay men and refer to women as whores. All right, it's Christmas. We all have kids to feed, so let's wrap this up. Robbie confronts Glenn during the latter's bachelor party, and it goes pretty well. Robbie's like, stop cheating on Julia, and Glenn is like, I am punching you now, Robbie, and you are also fired from Wall Street. Makes sense. Who needs a wet blanket moralist on Wall Street? Linda reappears in our hero's life to offer up her body, insisting that she has come to terms with his mediocrity and is now willing to settle for it. Does Robbie sleep with her? No. And thank God, she's such a whore, you see. She has so much sex, and it's like, ugh, she actively wants all of it. The sex, I mean. Ugh, a woman who wants sex. Ugh, it's so unseemly. 
Some women are bad and other women are not bad. That's how the world works, according to the wedding singer. Julia shows up at Grandma Rosie's house, hoping to meet Robbie and confess her true feelings. But who's this at the door? Oh, it's Linda, that whore! Such an embarrassing situation for Julia. It would seem the only thing she can do now is run off to Vegas and elope with Glenn. Robbie flies to Vegas and, with help from a group of celebrity impersonators, successfully manages to crash the wedding and win Julia's heart via song. Glenn announces that he has cheated on Julia with, quote, hundreds of women, quote, according to Wikipedia, and the celebrity impersonators proceed to beat the ever-loving shit out of him. Those celebrities, by the way, are Billy Idol, Mr. T, Ronald Reagan, Tina Turner, Cindy Lauper, Nancy Reagan, and First Lady of the Philippines, Imelda Marcos. And all is set right with the world. Santa Claus even makes an appearance. It's true. You can't prove that doesn't happen. Don't even try. It's Christmas. I have kids to feed, and I always get what I want on Christmas. For the purposes of this episode, I listened to the 2006 original Broadway cast album and the 2006 Tony Awards performance of the number It's Your Wedding Day. Let's talk about the score. Now, full confession, and I want you to imagine me in a traditional confessional booth when I say this with me on one side and you on the other, your wizened, wise face barely perceptible to me through the slats of your strange little Catholic porthole or whatever you people call it. I don't have a lot of Saturday Night Live deep thoughts when it comes to the Matthew Sklar, Chad Begalen score. Uh, I know. I would give you time to compose yourself in the wake of this confession, but it's Christmas and we all have kids to feed. It's fine. We'll be fine. Are we going to hear clips from a few of the songs? Yes, of course we are. It wouldn't be an episode of The Musical Man without clips. Do I have some general observations? Of course I do. Let's knock those out right the heck now. General observation number one. If you're a regular listener of the Snub Club, you're aware of how I kind of can't stand it when characters in a musical write or read letters. I find it to be, well, the word seems a little hyperbolic, but excruciating does come to mind. It's just so dramatically static, so utterly boring. And nine times out of ten, the letter can and should be swapped out for a proper scene. The Wedding Singer serves up not one, but two letters, each one brought to life by the onstage appearance of the characters who wrote them. In the first example, Linda reveals that she has chosen to leave Robbie, and in the second, Grandma Rosie encourages Robbie to not give up on love. I can understand why someone would want to avoid conversing with the guy they're dumping, but Linda is a very confident character who never has a problem speaking her mind, so why can't she simply dump Robbie face-to-face -face in a, you know, proper book scene? That's so much more interesting than having Linda in a pool of light while Robbie stares at a piece of paper. And why is Grandma Rosie leaving Robbie a note? Is she in the process of traveling to another country? Letters and notes in a musical are only acceptable to me if the characters are separated by a great distance. And even in such cases, my patience would wear thin fairly quickly, so, you know, get to the fucking point is all I'm saying. If your characters are currently living in the same house... You have to do the work of writing that proper scene I keep talking about. You can't rely on the emotional shorthand of a letter. It's lazy. I'm sorry, it's just... A Doll's Life, which we covered via the Snow Club last month in November. That show contains so much bullshit about letters. B-O-R-I-N-G, general observation number two. The Wedding Singer has a doubling up problem across the board. There are not one but two letters, as we've already learned, but there are also two songs about Robbie being depressed, Somebody Kill Me, and Casualty of Love, two songs and several reprises about Robbie and Julia's inability to express their love for one another, not that kind of thing, and if I told you, and two songs about Julia's obsession with marriage, Someday, and Pop. None of these songs are bad. 
They're pleasant, manufactured to please, totally inoffensive, but they do betray how thin and cyclical the plot is overall. There's never a doubt that Robbie and Julia are destined to wind up together, so the show is constantly throwing these straw man obstacles in their way in a feverish bid to get us over that magical two-hour mark. Oh, we gotta get to that two-hour mark. Any chance we can have Robbie sing another song about being sad? Needed, of course, it's not needed. Who said anything about need? We gotta kill some time here. I respect the more obvious padding songs like George's Prayer, Single, and Move That Thang because they have a cornball sketch review energy. They're not funny in any real sense, but I'd rather be distracted by bald-faced nonsense than have the same three emotional beats hammered into me until I'm exhausted. I'm all for finding the heart and soul in your goofy musical comedy. I appreciate how The Wedding Singer goes out of its way to nurture that heart and soul, but come on! already find a new angle you're killing me smalls long before the night is through your uncle lou will be my uncle too i'll be so tight with your cousin steve he'll invite me over for christmas eve The Wedding Singer with a song that is so good, so unabashedly fun and disarming, that you can't help but wonder if this is the best they have to offer. Spoiler alert, it absolutely is the best they have to offer. The show never experiences a sharp downward spike in quality, but it certainly plateaus and coasts on the success of this one song. Did I mention the name of the song? The name of the song is It's Your Wedding Day. I do apologize for the delay. I'll go out on a limb and say I have... Yes, sure, I have a love for It's Your Wedding Day. It's a casual sort of love, the kind of love you have for your favorite cousin. But you'd go to bat for your favorite cousin, and I'm going to bat for this here opener. I've been constantly singing it out loud to what I assume is the total chagrin of my neighbors. Have you seen the Tony Awards performance? Ooh, it's good, y'all. It's good. The crunchy choreography, the feel-good spirit of it all. I highly recommend you commit a few minutes to that shit. Did you see the bride? She looks so perfect. I know. Don't you hate her? Hate her? She's so happy. She turns around and she meets his gaze. The lights are dim. There's a smoky Couple on display with nothing standing. 
fail off. Okay. Laura Benatti is, without a doubt, the single best element of this production. Who could you put up against her? Stephen Lynch? I was as much a fan of Stephen Lynch in the early 2000s as the next stupid white guy, but come on, no one was going to see The Wedding Singer for Stephen Lynch. They went for a Laura Benatti. She towers over this sugar-coated and substantial material, lending someday a crystal-clear bird-like trill and girl-next-door humanity that kept me alert and smiling when I should have been drifting off. I hope everyone on the production side understood what a gift they had in Benani, because a song like Someday does not make a case for itself. Benani lifts it from the page and breathes rosy life into it, but the minute she walks away, it essentially shrivels up and dies. Okay, I admit that the phrase shrivels up and dies may be too harsh, but I am not interested in hearing a regional theater take on Someday. I'll tell you that much. So come out of the dumpster. Don't leave me standing here. Come out of the dumpster. It's okay, the coast is clear. The cop cars are leaving. Channel 5's packed up its crew. So come out of the dumpster. I'll be right here waiting for you. Okay, try. So you're back in the dumpster Well that's like a metaphor Everyone has a dumpster A stumbling block they can't ignore But to fight it makes you stronger And next time you might stand So come out of the dumpster Here, take a hold of my Sometimes when you're in college and you live in a pre-Spotify world and you have limited access to cast recordings, you wind up latching onto moments from the cast recordings you've actually managed to acquire. In your heart of hearts, you accept that a show like The Wedding Singer, let's say, isn't great, could never be great, but then Laura Bonatti sings, So you're back in the dumpster. And you're like, honestly, I'll take it. I'm in college, my brain is all sorts of fucked up, and this is what passes. If this is what passes for comedy today... I'll take it. I will sit through this entire track if it means hearing Bonatti say, so you're back in the dumpster. College students can survive on crumbs, is what I'm saying. As an adult, I need more. Forget about me. Bonatti deserves more. Don't make her rely on that one joke. She's a magician, not a miracle worker. Now, kids, couples always argue when they come in here to register. My advice is be very careful. It's a tricky situation. I've seen couples face disaster Why not tell yourselves you're both wrong, both right It means that you'll make up faster I hate to tell you, but we're not with each other We're sister and brother And he's the slow one She's an idiot according to mother It takes one to know one Tell the night to save its moonlight Tell the birds not to sing Since they've been misaligned Cause it's not that kind of thing 
and Lynch do make a sweet little couple, even if they do give off a Folgers coffee, you're my present this year vibe to a certain degree. And by that I mean, if you told me they were playing siblings who fuck each other, I wouldn't be shocked. No, that's not true. If you told me The Wedding Singer was about siblings who fuck, I would obviously be shocked. Come to think of it, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore make a lot more sense to me as siblings than they do as lovers. What the hell's going on here? Let's sidestep this incest talk that you initiated. Not me, you. You started this. Not that kind of thing is, like Oklahoma's People Will Say We're In Love, a song about testing the boundaries of a relationship. Granted, the relationship in Oklahoma is infinitely more thorny and aggressive than the one featured in The Wedding Singer, but both songs are drawing from the same well. These two dingbats are falling for each other, and they refuse to admit it. Romance is in the air, and they're like, romance, no way. It's hilarious. There have to be at least a hundred examples of this sort of song within the canon, but at the moment, my mind is failing me. Help me out, listeners, my musical minions. What are some other examples of songs where the leads are like, ain't no way I'm falling in love with you right this very minute as we speak. Ain't no way, so just forget about it. Reach out to me, nerds. It's all about the... Hey, Gulia, I just got back from Seattle. There's a coffee store there that's thinking of going national. Did you get my memo on that? Nobody's ever gonna pay three bucks for a cup of coffee. Now bring me some real tips. I got something. My brother-in-law works for Coca-Cola. They're changing their formula. They're gonna sell it as New Coke. New Coke. That's brilliant. Buy all the Coca-Cola stock you can get your hands on. See, Robbie? It's all about the green. Wanna be somebody. It's all about the green. Wanna be somebody. It's all about the bankrolls, legal tender, strippers screaming. Hey, this Cutthroat, firm expansion, regroup at the Playboy Mansion Blue chips, pink slips, foreign beers and ego trips Bank boys getting messy, jelly beans from Ron and Nancy Yeah, it's all about the green It's all about the green the Green is easily the most egregious example of padding the wedding singer has in its arsenal. I highly doubt anyone was itching to hear a song from Glenn, the two-timing Wall Street broker, but here it is. And Man Alive is it long. Why are we sitting in this? Verse after verse, chorus after chorus. We get it. The song is about money. There are only so many synonyms for money in the dictionary. The thesaurus, I should say. And you've somehow managed to use all of them, circle back, and start again at the top of the list. And I must ask this again, because I'm hoping someone will be able to shed some light on the character's motivation. Why does Robbie want to work with Glenn? He hates Glenn. Glenn is cheating on Julia. Julia is Robbie's friend, the woman he's in love with. Robbie wants to make money and be a big shot, but that would never supersede his desire to protect Julia. If you said he was getting close to Glenn to secure hard proof of an affair, that would fly with me. But that's not what we have here, Chief. And this ain't it, Chief. Waiting here underneath your window Hoping for some kind of sign Every move, every tiny gesture Only proves that you're not mine I could write you a thousand love songs Search the world for the perfect tune and rhyme But what good would it do when it seems I'm out of time If I told you All the words I've yet to say Would they matter Or would you simply turn and walk away If I hold you Will you tell me I should go 
chance it Or would it just be better not to know If I Told You is my second favorite song in The Wedding Singer, just behind It's Your Wedding Day, there's a purple-blue bruise hue to the whole affair that I find deeply attractive and resonant as someone who still battles with the fear of rejection on a daily basis. I'm a white guy who winces a lot. My natural position is that of a curled-up armadillo. I'm a soy boy, millennial cuck, snowflake libtard, NBC, SJW, red pill doofus, who enjoys a good wine. What can I say? Okay, all snark aside, I meant what I said. This song is quite nice. It's diluted somewhat by the show's propensity for reprises, but it sends me to a particular headspace, and I can't denigrate a song that transports me. Mrs. Hart, um, it's... Seems we've lost half of our band for the party. (laughs) This is awkward. George, I think I can come up with something. Give me a beat. Well, first things first, my name is Rose. I can bust fly rhymes just like the pros. I ain't got time for tea and scones. Forget rocking chairs, I rock microphones. The roof, the roof, the roof might have snow. Rapping grandmas, Uh uh-oh, here we go. Are we still all about rapping grandmas as a culture? I get the sense we've moved on, and that's a shame. Every generation needs its own rapping grandma, someone who acts as a bridge between the older generation and the current generation. Get me? Who's destined to become the rapping grandma for Generation Z? Taylor Swift, she loves a challenge. I'll miss you. Take your shoes off and rub your feet Need you, feed you And when we play checkers I'll let you cheat So let me do the dishes in our kitchen sink Put you to bed when you've had too much to drink Oh, I could be the one who grows old with you Wanna grow old with you Julia, will you marry me? On one condition Will you sing at my wedding? Yeah! Picture it. John Pernasek, 2019. He is 34 years old. He has just arrived at his office job. He is sorting mail. He is not happy about it. And suddenly, through his Skull Candy brand earbuds, he hears the opening strains of Grow Old With You. And despite his best efforts, he begins to tear up because he'd rather be growing old with his wonderful husband, Chris, than growing old in a goddamn mailroom in downtown Chicago. No offense, downtown Chicago mailroom, but you fucking stink and no one puts anything in its proper place. Our days should be spent with the ones we love, looking into their eyes, whispering sweet nothings until the cows come home. All right, so I didn't come right out and cry on the job first thing Monday morning, but I did come close. Schmaltz can ground us. It does have a purpose in this dreary, snub-nosed little world of ours, and I don't think we should be afraid to lap it up when it's presented to us. 
Grow old with you, I thank you. Thank you for reminding me of what I was missing, what I value so very much. For the record, I'm still using an iPod Nano to listen to music and podcasts, and yes, I absolutely opted for the free engraving on the back. It's a lyric from Enya's only time, because I fucking adore Enya, and if she ever goes on tour, I would pay upwards of $500, let's say 1000 for the privilege of sitting in the same room as her. That lyric, for those of you keeping track, is... Who can say where the road goes? Only time. I'm a very, very specific, hard-to-pin-down, niche type of basic gay. That brings us to the end of our score deconstruction. Now it's time to hear a word from our sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. It's me, Auntie Maine. That's right, your favorite auntie. Ooh, I like to wear chunky turquoise jewelry. I like to take weekend excursions to Arizona. I like to drink. That's right, I like to drink cold white wine. I make it cold because I have, oh, I have these, oh, 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 I'm writing Christmas right now. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, oh, just, Auntie Maine, just give them your white wine recipe just for a minute, and then, then we'll get to Christmas, Auntie Maine. You're so crazy, Auntie Mae. Okay, so white wine. Okay, you make it cold with ice, right? But that's not, no, 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 no. That's not just that ice cubes, no. That's basic, as my nephew says. That's basic, as my niece says. Oh, no, no, no. What you do is you, th- you get a nice novelty ice cube tray, right? So for Christmas, this is Christmas Day. You're hearing from your Auntie Mae on Christmas Day. Now, I'm just saying, get a Christmas star. Ice cube tray. Oh, a Christmas star ice cube tray. Now, it doesn't have to be a religious, you know, it doesn't have to be the star shining on Bethlehem. You can just think of it as a fun star. It doesn't matter. It's just fun. It's a fun shape. Now, I've tried. I have a candy cane novelty ice cube tray. That is too much. No, 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 because they're just too big. I'm telling you, I tried to find like a mini candy cane novelty ice cube tray recently. It cannot be found. I searched hot. I searched low, but Auntie Mame could not find an, a tiny candy cane ice cube tray. So I'll, I'll stick with the stars. Thank you very much. And you know what I do? I put a little cinnamon. I put a little cinnamon at the bottom of each star in the, you know, the little, the little holes in the ice cube tray. Put a little cinnamon in there. Put a little cinnamon in there. Pour the water on top. It's going to get messy. It's going to get sloppy. It's going to spill everywhere. The cinnamon's going to be flying. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, how you and your nephew and your niece will laugh and laugh as the cinnamon water splashes about you. But then eventually, you know, you'll get it in the freezer. Wait a little bit. You know, a couple hours. A couple hours. And then you take it out. You got cinnamon stars. Cinnamon water stars. Water cinnamon stars. It's fun. So Christmas, that's what we're here for, right? Now you got my white rain recipe. I'm just here to tell you, Christmas, we all need a little bit of Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Because this world is dark. It's a dark time. It's a dark time. And you know, what if you don't drink, you're asking? What if you don't drink? What if I don't drink, Auntie Mame? Hey, Auntie Mame, I don't drink. You're being so insensitive, and I do apologize for that. I do try to cater to all of my nephews and nieces. 
nieces. And of course I have nephews and nieces who don't drink. And for them, I always reserve a nice tub. I get a big tub. I go to the Costco. I go to the Costco and I get six giant tubs of five, six, seven, eight coffee. Oh, the perfect Christmas coffee. And you know what? You got that cinnamon anyway for your white wine lovers. Put a little bit of cinnamon. Put a little bit of cinnamon. Put a little bit of cinnamon. Put a little bit of cinnamon in the coffee. Just throw it in the coffee. It's crazy. And you're, you know, you're opening up gifts. The wrapping paper is flying. The cats are running around. Meow, meow. The dogs are running around. Woof, woof. And, you know, you're just sitting there. You're watching everybody just have the time of their lives. And you get to be Auntie Nina just sitting in the corner with her cup of 5678 coffee. Your sober nephew, he's drinking his saw, his 5678 coffee. It's going to be a real nice Christmas. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. The politics are frightful. People are dying. There is no God. And yet, in that little room of yours, it feels like heaven, doesn't it? Feels like heaven watching over me. That's a Peter Cetera song. That's a Peter Cetera song from one of his solo albums. Oh, I love Peter Cetera. Oh, he's so sexy. I still think he's sexy, don't you? Okay, you've heard enough from me. You're crazy. Auntie Mame, who likes to wear Crocs. Oh my god! My Crocs look like crocodiles. I got the crocodile Crocs. I know! It's crazy! <laughs> okay, so ho, 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 I gotta go, go, go. I'll see you next Christmas, because you only ever see your Auntie Mame on Christmas Day! That's right! Oh, that's true. That's true. I only appear in this reality on Christmas Day. So I'll see you next year, my nephews and nieces. Oh, all the world is my nephew and nieces. I'm an ancient elder god from another dimension. Goodbye! Ho, ho, ho! Final thoughts regarding the wedding singer. The wedding singer is like a big bowl of store brand ice cream. Stay with me. Stick with me. Just about everyone loves a big bowl of store brand ice cream, right? You'll take it. You're not going to get anything especially substantial out of it, right? You may not want it every single day, and it's not a gourmet feast for the senses, huh? But every now and then you think, hey, why not? I'm not going to kick it out of bed. This store brand bowl, this tacky ass ice cream, huh? why not? The problem is that this particular bowl of store brand ice cream is overloaded with very, a very limited set of toppings. That's the problem. You like sprinkles on your ice cream? Well, if you like sprinkles, you'll love twice the amount of sprinkles a reasonable person would ever expect. Digging that layer of hot fudge, are ya? How's about a layer? A second layer of hot fudge on top of that first layer of hot fudge, huh? You said you liked the hot fudge. What are you, sick now? It's ice cream. Come on, it's Christmas. Christmas ice cream. You get my point. Or do you? The wedding singer equals a bowl of ice cream that's partially, partially buried under one too many layers of toppings. Clear the excess away, simplify the presentation, and then you'll have me on board. But until then, I'd rather not ruin my appetite. Fair, I say fair. Now, in 2006, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Jersey Boys, and the additional nominees that year were The Color Purple and The Drowsy Chaperone. There is only one answer here. The Color Purple should have won the Tony Award for Best Musical. Everyone is in agreement on this, especially in light of that much-beloved 2015 revival, so I don't think we need to belabor this any further. Congratulations to you, The Color Purple. Now it's time to rank the show against all of the other musicals we've covered here on The Musical Man. I am going to give The Wedding Singer my number 
number 29 slot, right between Applause at number 28 and Sugar at number 30. Show-related ephemera? Well, we don't have anything relating to The Wedding Singer, but because it is Christmas Day, I thought we might hear a little bit of Christmas music. I'm going to play you a bit of Billy Porter's rendition of Oh Holy Night, originally featured on the 1999 album A Rosy Christmas. Other artists featured on this album include Celine Dion, Elmo, Billy Joel, Angelica Pickles, and Rosemary Clooney. Rosie in 1999, booking the heaviest of hitters. Oh shit, she got Angelica Pickles? Fuck me! Alright, let's hear it, Patty and Benny. With life so fragile and souls so lost Just remember love A holy love can conquer all point, I would take a ride on the musical carousel to determine what show we will discuss next on the podcast, but we have a brand new $5 a month patron. Yes, that's right. Shiante, thank you so much for becoming a $5 a month patron. You have all of these incentives coming your way, right? Bonus content, but you had a couple of things that you needed to determine for me, and we worked it all out. We hammered it all out. In the next episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the 2003 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It ran for two 2,642 performances. It was selected by Shiante, and the name of that musical is Hairspray, baby, Hairspray. Now, this episode, we're going to take a break for New Year's. This episode will drop on Wednesday, January 8th, 2020, so we will see you in the new year, baby. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can be like Shiante and support the show financially. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month, you will get a verbal shout-out each and every week here on the podcast, so let's do that now. Thank you very much. Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You also get access to bonus episodes covering the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, The Little Mermaid Live, and this should be available now, my full review of the film Cats. So there you go. You get all that bonus content. But what if you donate $3 a month? Well, you get everything I've already mentioned, plus you get a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. Shiante has told me what character she would like to hear from, and I'm not going to spoil it here. You'll have to wait until we come back together, but we will hear from that character then. If you donate $3 a month, you also get access to Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast. Now, if you donate $5 a month, you get everything I've already mentioned, plus you are able to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I shall discuss here on the podcast. That's what Shiante did. She picked Hairspray. You can do the very same thing. You also get access to All I Ask of You Season 1. That's 12 episodes of an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera, and you get access to our ongoing series of Broadway and Chicago reviews. 
Finally, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already mentioned. Plus, The Snub Club, baby, that's right, the monthly series dedicated to musicals that were never, never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Now available as of today, Christmas Day, our December episode, which is all about Elton John and Tim Rice's Aida. Past subjects, Amelie, Merrily We Roll Along, Flahooli, American Psycho, Be More Chill, Jekyll and Hyde, Allegiance, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, The Bridges of Madison County, and A Doll's Life. Now, your donations go toward the purchase of rare cast recordings, that's true, movie rentals, also true, and offsetting the costs of being hosted through Podmean. And if we ever get to the point where we are bringing in $100 or more in total donations, I will produce M3, The Movie Musical Man, a monthly series for which I will watch trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. If you are listening to the show through Apple Podcasts, please take the time to give us a five-star rating and write out a review. Tell us what you love about the show. We have 26 written five-star reviews. When we get to 30, I will post a special episode dedicated to that wonderful Disney franchise, Descendants. And you can also, you know, you can stream the show. You can do that, too. You can do that through musicalmanpod.podbean.com and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny in the booth, Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and Zach Little for our fabulous music. Ah, oh, there's that doorbell. Merry Christmas again to those who celebrate and to those who don't. I wish you a merry December 25th in general. I hope that you are well and I hope that you will be back when we come back after New Year's. But you know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well. We'll catch up some other time specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, Athenation, and good night. <laughs>